0: Morning family, doing all right? Uh, if you're visiting with us, my name is Ryan, uh, we're really glad you've chosen to worship with us this morning as we head towards Christmas Eve here, and uh, what I'd like to do is we're in the last week of a series called Hark the Herald, going through the book of Zechariah of all things on Christmas, we're going to try and make that relevant, and, uh, but I want to start our time in prayer, so please join me. Father, I pray that you would use uh, something from the scriptures, something that is said, something that is sung, a coffee, a conversation, something to spur our hearts to worship your son, Jesus Christ. Uh, We don't gather just to gather. We gather because we do want to experience your love through the person and work of Jesus. So we pray that by gathering together, our family may do so. God, uh, spur our hearts and our affections towards you, and we pray this in your son's name. Amen. Now, I don't know about you guys, but Christmas time, I really enjoyed... Again, if you're visiting, this offering isn't for you. Uh, Christmas time, one of the things that I really enjoyed was getting together with my extended family. I was an only child, so now you know why I have all the issues I have. But anyways, I was an only child, and so I enjoyed getting together with my whole extended family because my mom had four brothers and sisters, and there was oodles of cousins, and it was just a great, crazy, fun time every year to get together. And I remember that as myself and my cousins began to get a little bit older, what we would do is a gift exchange. Any families do gift exchange? You set a, you know, a limit and then you do a gift exchange between aunts, uncles, sometimes even the youth, things like that. And I think ours was like 20, 25 dollars. And I would call myself what, I've told you this many times, frugal, but I have an uncle who he does quite well, but he would be more frugal. Okay, he would be like really frugal and my uncle thought wouldn't it be cool during this one gift exchange if that kind of that old saying a sock full of coal. Well, maybe I'll just put a dirty sock in as my gift for the gift exchange and so he did. And I can't even remember who got it. I think it was one of my cousins, Mike or Bob. And, you know, they're just a couple years older than me. So imagine you're like tween or something like that. And here you have this gift exchange. Here you're spending money. And you open it up. And what do you find? A dirty sock. Yeah. How are you going to feel about that? You're going to be a little bit disappointed, right? You're going to be like, okay, but for real, where's my gift? And my Uncle Billy's like, Merry Christmas. There's your gift, a dirty sock. So many expectations that were there in that time, in that moment. We're looking at this book called Zechariah, where it's talking about the Jewish people, the people of God. They had just been in a captivity under Babylonian rule for 70-ish years. Now they have returned to Jerusalem with so many expectations. Expectations that the temple, the place that housed the very presence of God, would be rebuilt. Expectations that because that temple would be rebuilt, they'd begin to offer sacrifices again. An expectation that at some point one would come who would right all the wrongs and would politically free them from any foreign rule. Expectations. That's a great word for this season, isn't it? Because we all come into this season, whether we follow Christ for a long time, not for very long, whether we're investigating, following Him, we all come into this season with many expectations. Maybe it's the expectations that a season in and of itself would heal a relationship. Maybe it's the expectation that a gift that we would receive would bring us lasting joy. Maybe it's something else, but we all come in with expectations. And the question I want to address this morning and answer through the text we go to is, Is there anyone or anything that can meet those expectations this Christmas season? Is there anyone or anything who can meet, maybe go beyond what we see here, the surface expectations, and meet the deep longings of our heart, our truest expectations, hopes, desires? That's what we're going to look at this morning as we finish up our series, Heart the Herald. So I'm going to have you turn with me to Zechariah. You can see the page number there if you use one of the Bibles under our chairs, Otherwise, if you have your own, we're going to be in Zechariah chapter 6. Zechariah chapter 6. 661 in the Bible is under your chair. And we're going to begin reading in verse 9, and then we're going to go through verse 11. Zechariah chapter 6. The word of the Lord came to me. Take silver and gold from the exiles, Heldai, Tobijah, and Jediah, who have arrived from Babylon go the same day to the house of Josiah, son of Zephaniah, and take the silver and gold and make a crown and set it on the head of the high priest, Joshua, son of Jehoshadot. And just like we see last week, the main character here is the high priest whose name is Joshua. And here's what the high priest did. He represented the whole nation, all of the Jewish people before God. So he would offer sacrifices to God, for his own sin. But then he'd offer sacrifices for the sin of the people. He was kind of like the mediator between God and man. And only the priests were allowed into the temple to offer sacrifices. And once a year, they went into the kind of the innermost part, the Holy of Holies. And they only went in with blood. And I try to remember if there was a, something with a rope in case, you know, they were unclean impure. Because, you know, it's that's over, right? So they got a rope on their, their leg to take them out. But only... The high priest would go into that. And here's what we should notice right away. There's these three guys. They're told to bring silver and gold. They're going to make a crown. And who are they going to set the crown on? Josiah. Joshua, excuse me, the high priest, right? And if you were a Jewish person hearing this kind of this vision, this this thing unfold, you would immediately say, wait a minute, this is not right. We have three branches of government and maybe i don't know how much they you know kind of their synergy but you had a high priest you had a king in the jewish context but those roles did not intersperse in fact when other people in jewish history tried to play those roles for each other bad things happened like leprosy broke out or different things because they just didn't go together and here's what this would signal if you put up this picture forgive the cheesy clip art You put up this picture. Okay, so this is kind of like the high priest on the left. This is similar to what they would have worn. Okay, this is just something representing a king. And if you go to the next image, that's what it would have been like. I mean, not like that. Again, that's cheesy, right? But it would have been like two rolls going into one that didn't belong together. It would have been like this. If you put up that next image, Gary, can anyone tell me what this is? Very good. Yeah, bacon... In the shape of a heart. Is there anyone who hearts bacon out here? Yeah, is there anyone who says basically bacon makes anything and everything better? Right? Don't they even put bacon in mayonnaise now? Don't they have mayonnaise like squeezable mayonnaise with bacon pieces or not? They can't be very big because it's got to fit out the spout, you know, but they have it. Bacon is awesome. I heart bacon also. How about this next one? Anybody agree with this picture? Anybody know what it is? It's peanut butter. And some of you, maybe you heart peanut butter. Now, is there anyone here who hearts bacon and peanut butter? Yeah, anybody? Okay, so I like both of them. Now, I'm not as, I won't say crazy, I'm not as crazy about peanut butter as, say, my daughter, where we say you need some protein and she'll take a spoon, put it in the peanut butter, and uh, I can't do that really. I could. I don't like it that much. I could do that with bacon, right? But my stepdad was like, if you like bacon and if you like peanut butter, you've got to try this. This next image. Anybody tried this? Yeah? Okay, so raise your hand if this is actually good. Yeah, see, some of you have tried that Gilverica because our mind says, wait, these two don't go together. You gotta try it. I didn't think so either until I tried it. It was really good. This is like being high priest and being king. These two things just didn't gel, no pun intended, together. They didn't go together. Zechariah, verse 12 with me. Verse 12. Tell him this is what the Lord Almighty says. Here's the man whose name is the branch, and he will branch out from this place, and he'll build the temple of the Lord. It is he who will build the temple of the Lord, and he will be clothed with majesty and will sit and rule on his throne, and he will be a high priest on the throne, and there will be harmony between the two. So these men or to tell Joshua that he's going to symbolize another person who had come who's named the branch, who we looked at a little bit last week, but who's going to branch out and who is going to build this place, the temple. And in building it, he's going to be clothed in majesty. He's going to sit and rule on the throne. He's going to be both priest and king. And this branch, whoever that is, is going to bring harmony between these roles in a way that they wouldn't see anyone else could. Now, building the temple is important. It meant that sacrifices could be started, returned again by the priest. And this branch being king would mean that the Jewish people could have what they longed for. Political freedom. They were subject to Babylonian rule. Now it's easier, but they're still subject to Persian rule. And this branch would come. Remember, this context is one where these people are feeling very discouraged. They've come back from being under Babylonian rule. They've started to rebuild the temple. They, they see hope, but it's not happening fast enough or exactly the way they want. This one called the branch being talked about who would really rebuild this temple, this would offer them great hope. This would offer them great promise. Let's finish up verses 14 and 15. 14 and 15. The crown will be given to Heldai Tobijah, Jediah, and hence son of Zephaniah as a memorial in the temple of the Lord. No, that crown that was going to be on Joshua, is going to sit in the temple as a memorial until this branch would come. Interesting. Verse 15. Those who are far away will come and help to build the temple of the Lord, and you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me to you. This will happen if you diligently obey the Lord your God. So this vision ends in Verse 15 where it talks about those who are far away will come and will will help to build the temple of the Lord and that the Jewish people will know that the Lord Almighty has sent, notice what the text says, me, meaning the branch. Look at the end of verse 15. It says, this will happen if you diligently obey the Lord. You is plural. You is the Jewish people. It signifies that their obedience will bring God's blessing. So here's what I want to do. I want to interpret this passage, and then I'm going to take some time and apply this passage. Last week, we, we talked about this branch and, and uh, who it was, and we looked at a passage in Jeremiah 23. This week, I want to show you a passage in Jeremiah 33 that talks about this branch. In those days and at that time, I will make a righteous branch, Sprout from David's line. He will do what is just and right in the land. So here you have this branch talked about again. He would be righteous. He would be right before God and would represent the people. And see, the Jewish people, they wanted this branch because here's their expectation going into this season, so to speak, in, um, back in Jerusalem. Their expectation was that they would be politically free. They thought they wanted and needed political freedom. But they really needed something much more. Freedom from the penalty and the power of sin. See, if you were to look throughout the history of the Jewish people, which is who we're talking about, which is who Zechariah is talking to and trying to encourage, we would see a familiar cycle that that would go all throughout the Old Testament. Okay, the Jewish people would say, yes, you're our God. We will follow you, and then they wouldn't, kind of like me, and then they wouldn't. And so then God did, made good on His promise. If you don't follow me, I'm going to allow you to be you know, taken over foreign ruled. They would get ruled by somebody else. Then it would get so bad that they would cry out for help, and then God would deliver them. And then they would say, you know what, you're our God, we're going to follow you, and then they wouldn't, like me. And then God would deliver on His promise. They would get taken over and ruled by somebody else. And then they'd cry out. It would get so bad. Please deliver us. And He would in His grace and His mercy. And they would say, Okay, now we'll promise. You're our God. We'll follow you. And then they... I just saved you having to read the whole old... No, I didn't. (laughs) Don't take that literally. But that's the Old Testament, right? The Jewish people time and time again were a lot like me. Probably a lot like you. They said one thing, but they didn't keep their promise. And if there's anything the Old Testament teaches us, it shows us that time and time again the Jewish people didn't diligently obey their God as verse 15 talked about. See, in order to have true hope, in order to have their expectations and the deep longings of their heart really met, they needed someone to do what they couldn't do. They needed someone who said, I will follow and I actually follow. They needed someone who said, God, I will obey and I actually do obey. They needed someone who didn't just talk the talk, but would also back it up and walk the walk. They thought they needed a a priest to rebuild the temple so that they could offer sacrifices again. What they really needed was for their life, coming from their heart, to be the sacrifice. They thought they needed a a king so they could gain political freedom from the rule of Persia. What they really needed was spiritual freedom from the rule of sin. This past week, I, I had to take my car ...into the auto shop, and I don't know what you're like. Some of you probably just do it right away. I try and figure it out on my own because I want to save money. I talk about money a lot and being cheap, but I am. So, uh, first step was, before I even got it to the auto shop, was I took it to AutoZone. They test your battery, and they said, yeah, your battery is, is bad. I should have been able to tell by the three pounds of corrosion on top of each positive and negative terminal. But I went and got it tested. They said, your battery is bad... And they said, uh, you know, get a new battery and, yeah, go for that. So I got a new battery, and I tried to turn it over, and guess what I heard? Same thing, whoa, 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 right? And they would do that, and maybe the second or third turn, whoa, whoa, whoa. Some of you are laughing because you know this sound. You've heard whoa, 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 It you're tired too. So I, it just wouldn't turn over. And I got scared that eventually it just wasn't going to start at all. And so I took it to an auto shop that I used, and uh, they did the same test that they had done. Battery. They tested the alternator. Battery's good. Alternator's good. Starter's good. I get a call. You know, I don't know what's exactly going on. Everything tests out. All right. So what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to pull the starter from your card because there's this thing that I don't understand what it does or how it does. It uses electrical current, but solenoid, starter relay. If you guys know engines, you know what I'm talking about. I'm just faking it. There's a solenoid and they can't apparently test that unless they take the starter out of the vehicle. I don't know why I still have my phone up. They can't test that unless they take the starter out of the vehicle and then they can put something that measures the electrical current going back and forth. They diagnosed it. It was a bad solenoid starter relay. They put a new starter in. Thing starts like a champ. I can't tell you how nice it is to just have your car start. It's awesome, right? They properly diagnosed the problem. In order to fix the problem, we need a proper diagnosis of the problem. See, more than a rebuilt temple to for sacrifices, more than political freedom from Persian rule, what the Jewish people needed was a priest king to come who could accurately diagnose the problem and then have the power to do something about it. They needed someone who could identify with being human, just like them, just like us. Be like us in every way. Face the temptations that they face and yet be different in one important way. Be without sin. Look at Hebrews chapter 2 with me. If you put that up for me, please, Gary. Hebrews chapter 2. For this reason, he had to be like his brothers in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. This he that they're talking about is the branch who is promised is Jesus Christ. He was human, yet He was perfect. He was tempted in every way, yet without sin. And because of that, because of His perfect obedience, we read that His life and His death were the perfect offering on our behalf. He was the perfect. He was the last eternal high priest. Look what Hebrews 7 has to say about Him. Such a high priest meets our need, one who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other high priests, he doesn't need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. For the law appoints as high priests men who are weak, but the oath which came after the law appointed the Son who has been made perfect forever. He was the high priest because his life and death were the perfect and last sacrifice needed to be offered. To appease the anger of God against sin and our rebellion. He did it. He did it on our behalf. (laughs) And He desires to be our high priest, the one who mediates between a perfect God and imperfect, broken people, and mediates on our behalf through our trust in His perfect sacrifice. He's not only, though, the perfect and the last and the eternal high priest, He's the perfect and the last and the eternal king. Look at what Luke says when announcing his birth. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. He is Christ the Lord. Now he was born a baby, <laughs> but he was born Christ the Lord. And this makes this crazy that God would come and dwell amongst men, amongst you and me. Perfection with imperfection. Brokenness with unbrokenness. It's crazy. First Timothy 6 and Revelation 19 say he's the king of kings and he's the Lord of lords. That means he's, he's the man. Right? There's no one who has been or ever will be like him. And as king he governs perfectly and rightly and justly. And he's waiting again to return to establish his eternal kingdom. Where his rule, where his reign. Where his compassion, where his grace, where his justice, where his mercy, where his love are experienced by his followers who place their faith in him forever. He's the perfect, eternal, last high priest. He's the perfect, eternal, last king. He's Emmanuel, God, with us. Remember what the Jewish people were doing in this context, construction wise? What were they working on, did I say, last week and this week? What were they rebuilding? The temple. Yeah, the temple. And so in doing that, they were building the temple so that they could again offer sacrifices to God to be right with Him, but also so that the very presence of God would be among them because He dwelled, not bodily, but in the temple, His presence was there. So get this. We're making some Old Testament New Testament connections here. Jesus came to earth, Emmanuel, God with us, and he literally, quote-unquote, tabernacled among us. He literally templed among us because he was the one rather than a building that housed the very presence of God because he was God. Hebrews 9 says it this way. When Christ came as high priest of the good things that are already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not man-made, that is to say not a part of his creation. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, having attained eternal redemption. He was the temple, not made by hands, but that housed the very presence of God because he was God. He even says in the Gospels, destroy this temple and I'll raise it up again in three days. And they're like, you're crazy. And he's like, well, I'm talking about me, not a building. The book of Ephesians takes this further. Listen to what it says in chapter 2. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away. Did you read that anywhere in that passage? I think verse 15 talked about that. Those who were far away would come. You who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. He came and he preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in Him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. I know we're going over a lot today. It's like firehose. But what this means is that you and I, as Jesus' followers, along with His followers all around the world, past, present, and future, are being built into this spiritual temple where His very presence God's very presence is not limited and not experienced just in a building but you know who it's experienced by and through us us so what does all this mean let's apply this and then I'm gonna have some reflection questions first Christ is the sin offering okay first Christ is the sin offering as the perfect high priest he wore a crown But think back with me to the gospels. What crown did he wear? Crown of thorns. Right? He wore a crown of thorns, and that allowed him to deal once and all for all with sin. The question is, is he your high priest? Is he your high priest? Have you trusted in him to forgive you of all your sin? Past, present, future. You're like, it's that easy? Well, yeah. It's based on what he did. Not what you do. Your relationship with the Father is based on trust in Him as your perfect high priest. Have you trusted in Him as your perfect high priest to deal with your sin problem, to deal with the fracture that exists without that? Now, here's the crazy part. If you have, guess what that makes you? A priest, too. You're like, but I don't have a collar. You, know, you are, though. Spiritually speaking... You and I then, if we've trusted in the perfect high priest Jesus, we are spiritually speaking, and the scriptures say this, we are priests too. See, here's the deal. The Jewish people thought it was their sacrifice that made them right with God. But family, we know that it's trust in Christ's sacrifice that makes us right with God. And you know what? Therefore, we can worship Him this Christmas season by offering Him back our lives as a sacrifice. Because Jesus is our High Priest, and then we are priests, too. What we offer to God, Romans 12 says, is our bodies as a living sacrifice. That means all of our life. we can worship Jesus this Christmas season by offering back our lives to Him as a sacrifice. What's one way that you and that I, that we could offer back our life to Jesus this Christmas season? as a sacrifice? Second, Christ is the perfect king. His resurrection crowned him with a different crown, right? Crowned him as the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, as the, the best, the, the ultimate king that ever will be. The question is, is he your king? Is he your king? See, sometimes we have this misguided notion that he can be our high priest without being our king, that we can like kind of have the benefits, forgiveness of sins, without then also the blessing and opportunity to live all of our lives for him. Is he your king? Is he your king? And the crazy part is if he is your king, the scriptures also say that you're co-heirs with him. What that means is that people through watching your life get a chance to experience what he is like and what his leadership is like. You're co-heirs, you're co-rulers in a sense with Christ. See, the Jewish people thought that the king's rule would mean political freedom, but Jesus taught that the king's rule was freedom from the power of sin ruling our hearts. If Jesus is our king, we can worship him this Christmas season by yielding to his humble, loving leadership. So what's one area of your life that you reflect, that you desire to better reflect Jesus' loving leadership, that you desire to better reflect what he's like to a watching world? Third and last, if Jesus is your high priest and your king then guess what? You and I are a part of His spiritual temple. What that means is that people get to see what God is like through you, and through me and through us because we house the very presence of God through the Holy Spirit living and working out in our lives. The Jewish people thought that the temple would be a physical temple that housed the presence of God. Jesus taught that the temple was Himself and as he left and ascended back to heaven, he said, I'm going to send you someone. You won't be alone. That was the Holy Spirit. And for those of us who have placed our faith and trust in Christ as our high priest and our king, God's very presence through the Spirit lives through us. Starts this kind of combustion, starter relay, solenoid, inside out, heart change, where now we get to show the world what God is like through me, through Max, through Greg, through us together as spiritual family, we house the very presence of God. And so we can worship Jesus this Christmas season by pointing others to the perfect high priest and king, Jesus. Who's there in your life who needs to be pointed this Christmas season to Jesus, the perfect high priest, the eternal king, the one who can deal with the sin problem and then give us the power to not yield to it day in and day out, the one who empowers us to show a watching world His grace, His love, His forgiveness, His compassion. Who's in your life this Christmas season? Is it a friend? Is it a spouse? Is it a family member? Is it a coworker? Is it a neighbor who needs to be pointed back to Jesus, the perfect high priest and king? the branch who was foretold long ago so that He and He alone can meet the true and the deep longings of the human heart. Join me in prayer, please. Father, we thank You that during this season especially we, we celebrate one who was long foretold all the way in these ancient Scriptures, the one called the branch, this one righteous one who would come and He would rule justly, who would govern justly, this one who would be the, the perfect and the last sacrifice for sin ever. And Father, I pray that our hearts might worship Him this morning, knowing Him as our perfect and eternal high priest who paid the penalty for our sin, and that through trust in that we have a right relationship with You and then can offer our lives back in worship to You as a sacrifice. Father, might we know that Jesus is our, our, our perfect and our eternal King who has come and will one day come again, and we will rule and reign with Him forever. But until then, we follow His ways in humility, showing the world what He's like through taking the posture of serving others and loving others. And Father, because of that all, that He's our High Priest, He's our King, Father, we are empowered through the Spirit. We, are, we house the very presence of God to show the world what He's like this Christmas season. This morning, might our hearts be spurred and encouraged and reminded of the goodness and the greatness of our God and the person and work of Jesus so that we might go out and show who He is to a watching world. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.